You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. This episode of the Sportsman's Empire is brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Since 1952, Interstate Batteries has been evoking compassion and a trustworthy spirit into the surrounding communities. Interstate Batteries is a mission-driven company fueled by purpose and guided by their values. If you need help locating a specific battery, stop into your local Interstate Batteries retail store and speak with a battery specialist. They even offer cell phone repairs. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and I can't believe that 2024 marks 10 years of podcasting. Over the last decade, I have had the pleasure of talking with hundreds upon hundreds of passionate outdoors men and women who share the same excitement for hunting as I do. Whether you hunt public lands or private property, shoot traditional archery equipment or high-powered rifles, we all have one thing in common, and that's our love for the great outdoors. This year, I plan on continuing that tradition and bringing educational and entertaining content to your ears. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you all have the best seasons of your life. Good vibes in, good vibes out. Mic check. It is Friday. I like I like getting everybody hyped up. Except that might not work if you're not listening to this on a Friday. But treat every day like it's a Friday because that's life, right? If you get worried about life, if you worry too much, then I don't know, man. You're just wasting time. You're wasting energy. I try to live life in the most positive way possible. And one way I do that is by having my good buddy, Tony Peterson on the podcast. And like always, we have some very interesting conversations, but this time we actually talk about deer hunting, believe it or not. And um, man, what do we talk about? We talk about how Tony and myself are dealing with our midlife crisis. We're talking about how we journey through marriage (laughs) we talk about uh you know talk we the discussion that i always am thinking about is will my children have a place to hunt once the farms are sold you know do i need to teach them how to hunt public land all of that stuff 
right? And so we get into that conversation today, but it's a really good episode, broad range of topics. Like always, we uh, go off the deep end, like always. And uh, for many of you, uh, the feedback that I get, Tony might be the, the best guest on the podcast just because of the random conversations that we have. So I really appreciate you guys reaching out to me. If you could do me a huge favor, go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, let everybody know that the Nine Finger Chronicles is the cat's pajamas, and, uh, and, and leave a review. Also, if you could do me a big favor, go to the Sportsman's Empire feed and leave a five-star review. Because if you're just listening to the Nine Finger Chronicles on the Sportsman's Empire, you're missing out because we have a ton, and I mean a ton, of great content coming out of the Sportsman's Empire, right? Even state-specific, like Missouri, Ohio, Pennsylvania, uh, Wisconsin, the entire South has a a podcast dedicated to Southern hunting, and uh, I know I'm uh, Oklahoma, and I'm missing one I just know I'm missing one but anyway that means that we got a ton of great content for you guys check those episodes out and uh, just you know kind of familiarize yourself with the entire Sportsman's Empire library tons of great content now anyway before we get into today's podcast though I do want to do a quick commercial break here and talk about some of our partners because they pay the bills and I advertise for them so here's the advertisements do me a big favor and just enjoy these advertisements like you would listening you know I don't do the standard blah 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 blah. I tell you my thoughts on these products and I hope that it drives you to go to their website so first off tethered if you're looking for a saddle saddle hunting accessories you need to go check out tethered not only do they have very high quality saddle uh, you know saddle hunting equipment they also have a library of content that you can watch to become a better saddle hunter and the community around tethered is second to none in the entire hunting industry right these guys the, the guys who work there and the people who buy tethered are always some of the most hardcore serious hunters that I know. So if you're serious and you want to try a saddle, go check out tetherednation.com. Next on the list, Wasp Archery, my favorite uh, death metal music pops in my head every time I think of their broadhead. Why? Because uh, they do a ton of damage, right? Uh, American made most of their heads are American made they are very very well designed they have the best material they use and the people who work for that company are amazing right they they are participants in the sport of bow hunting and that rubs off on their products right so wasparchery.com do me a favor when you uh, check out their either selection of uh, fixed blades or mechanicals enter the discount code nfc20 at checkout and you will get a 20 percent discount so nfc20 uh, next on the list vor i don't know i wish i had a robot voice at this time i would go i would go <clears throat> vortex optics vortex optics anyway <laughs> vortexoptics.com go check it out 
I mean, these guys are industry leaders in optics, both binoculars and rangefinders and spotting scopes and rifle scopes and red dots, you name it. They have an optic for you or your firearm. And uh, again, a company that is the foundation is its people. And the people are what make the make uh, the product great, and what keep the business running, and the quality, and it's just a whole slew of things. VortexOptics.com, go check them out. Next on the list, Code Blue Sense, and that would be CodeBlueSense.com. Dude, I just did an entire podcast. The last Nine Finger Chronicles podcast I did was about mock scrapes. So I'm going to say about Code Blue. Go listen to that podcast and then go to codebluesense.com and buy all the rope-a-dope systems all the, all the rope-a-dope kits and go put those on your property and i'm positive you will get deer going and checking out that rope-a-dope system i have discount code nfc20 for 20 percent off uh woodman's pal again this weekend i went shed hunting with my daughter i brought my woodman's pal i chopped some branches and some uh, new growth away from some of the places I originally put trail cameras. I knocked some thorns off some trees. I chopped down a, uh, a like a stick that was hanging over the entrance to one of the pastures. And it's a good tool, habitat tool, machete to keep in your truck or in your pack at all times. So American made since 1941. And go check out woodmanspal.com and check out not just their uh, habitat tool, but the entire lineup of leather goods as well so uh, woodmanspal.com La- i don't want to say last but not least because there's two more huntworth my opinion the best lineup from foot to hat all the way including gloves and socks and underwears and base layers and mid layers and shells and ex- outside layers for cold for medium temps uh, calm you know comfortable temps as well as hot temps right uh, go check out huntworth.com a huge fan of their entire system in my opinion one of the best layering systems on the market for the most affordable price uh, huntworthgear.com go check it out and last but not least my own company full sneak gear i just released a brand new t-shirt called the slayer t the the full sneak slayer t it is a zombie buck it's a zombie buck it looks like a death metal album cover and if if wasp the people at wasp took uh themselves away from wasp and they started death metal band that's what the album cover would be is this uh, new t-shirt so go to fullsneakgear.com take a look at all of the t-shirts and hats that i have available buy a whole bunch of it give it to your friends i don't care what you do um, huge fan of the full sneak bow hunting uh, crew neck t-shirt if you have any questions hit me up on instagram and i'll be sure to answer your questions about full sneak fullsneakgear.com now 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 we are done with all the nonsense let's get into today's episode with my man tony peterson three two one all right ladies and gentlemen welcome to another episode of the nine finger chronicles i'm your host dan johnson huge shout out to tethered wasp vortex code blue woodman's pal huntworth and of course full sneak gear tony peterson's back on the show today tony man how you been 
I've been going absolutely stir crazy, buddy. Mm -hmm. But that's, I don't know what it is, man. By about mid-February, late February, I start to, I start to go a little bonkers. And usually I have a way to get out of here. And like I was telling you off air, we were, uh, a buddy and I were kind of planning a, you know, four day trip down to Florida to go catch some fish. And that fell through. And I'm like really feeling that right now because yeah. I, I miss it a lot. What were you going to go fish for? Um, every, you know, we just, we fly down with just travel rods and some gear and a cast net and we fish the canals and wherever we can. So, I mean, we end up catching usually like 10 or 12 different species of fish, oh, but nice. it's not like, it's not like we're going on like a tarpon trip or something. I mean, it's just like a DIY thing where we just go, go where we think we can catch fish. And it's just so fun, man. You go yeah. by, you know, you go by like four dozen fresh shrimp in the morning at the bait shop, catch some stuff on live bait, you throw some swim baits, throw some spoons, whatever. And, it, you know, there's just so much variety down there. Yeah. Does, so I, I, I've caught some of those YouTube videos and usually it's a, a younger, the younger generation and down in Florida and they're fishing canals or they're throwing baits into the, the most unlikely places that you would see. And you mentioned canals, and is there a, a big debate about where you can fish in some of those areas as far as private, what's private property versus what's public? So, I mean, it depends where you're at. Yeah. Uh, one of the things about, you know, if you it, it, take Florida, for example, specifically, they are really into tourism down there. Yeah. So there are a lot of places you can find to go fish public water. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, it just depends. It's like, it's like most States, you know I mean? You gotta, you gotta know what the access laws are, but we, what we usually do is I'll rent a house on a, if you, if you don't want a house that has a pool and a lot of really nice stuff, but you want it on the water. I mean, you can in at most times of the year, you can find that cheaper than a hotel yeah. or, or similarly priced and you can fish in your backyard in the canal. Yeah. And so you have that option right off the bat, but we always find, you know, boat landings and other places with public access where you can go and parks a lot of times or whatever, but there's, you know, that that's one of the things that makes me happy about fishing is we're not constantly fighting for places to go like we are with hunting. Yeah. Yeah. That's the same thing. I mean, like I, I was just having this thought the other day. Okay. So both of the landowners that I hunt on, and this is a story that's heard around the country uh, uh, all the time, right? Landowners are in their 60s. I think one might even be early 70s. They got a couple kids. They don't live in Iowa, okay? And, and so, or, or they don't have any kids at all, or, you know, a brother and a sister own the ground and, uh, you know, they're, they're old and they're going to split it up a thousand ways or sell it. You know what I mean? And, and I was just thinking about this and I was like, especially in the state of Iowa, dude, there's a really good chance that the state of Iowa, especially for my daughter and my son, unless they know somebody who has hunting ground or unless they, you know, you know, decide to fight fight it out on public then their opportunities are going to be slim to none in this state and it, it it's it dude it's something i think about every day man i would be 
I, you know, it's such a different perspective for me, but my experience on public land down there is I wouldn't even view it as a negative. Mm -hmm. I mean, compared to what you're hunting. Yeah, yeah, it is right. It's not as good, but man, I was public. It's pretty good, buddy. Yeah. Like, they, I mean, they'll, they'll have that option, but yeah. I, I, I hear you, man. I mean, it, it's one of the reasons why I bought the properties that I bought, yeah. you know, even though they're, they're not good for hunting. I mean, they're like pretty marginal, my kids will always have a place to go. Yeah. 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 Oh, I need to go to a state like, I don't know. There's like South Dakota or some some of the Dakotas where, you know, it, it's only good for hunting. Like you can't plant crops. Maybe you could run cattle on it or something like that. But um, I feel like if I wanted to make a big purchase strictly for hunting, I'm, number one, I'm not going to be able to afford it in Iowa. I might have to just go buy a, farm out of state on some river bottom ground or something like that yeah and if you go look at the dakotas you're going to be in for a real shock because <laughs> anything anything with any cover there you know I mean, it's not mm -hmm. like going to northern wisconsin where there's cover everywhere yeah and it, you know, it's a low you know like not a lot of desire to get up there and, and buy land everything i've looked at in the dakotas and nebraska has been insane and you and oh, typically I, I doubt it you know, those states, the you know, heavy cattle cattle states. So you look at it and like, you're not going to find a 40 acre chunk of good river bottom that has trees on it. Right. You know, it'll be part of a 3,000 acre ranch, or it'll be something sold for somebody to build a dream house on. That's like crazy expensive. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's all just getting expensive. Everything. Everything. Yeah. But you. But you know what though? I I know that I know you live in fear of losing those spots yeah and that's just that is the reality i've i have a spot here in minnesota that i've hunted since i was 15 same kind of deal you know old dairy farmer owns it his son his son will get it but his son lets everyone under the sun hunt mm -hmm. i mean his son is kind of the problem with it right now is like the dad's a little more selective and the son's just green light green light green light yeah. so that'll i probably won't lose it but it'll change for the worse yeah but the whole reason I got that spot to hunt with or to hunt was when I was 14, you know, two years into deer hunting, my dad and I had access to two huge properties, good properties, mm -hmm. like fun. You could hike everywhere. Uh, we lost them both in the same year cause they got sold. Mm -hmm. And so we started the year when I was 15 on public land. Like we don't, we had nowhere to go. Yeah. And I just happened to be talking to this kid cause I was in high school with him. And he's like, well, you can probably just hunt our place. I'll ask my dad. Yeah. And that that went from the worst start of a season I've ever had to being the most fun yeah. that I had going out there. And I still hunt it to this day. So it's kind of like, you know, getting laid off from your job sucks so much yeah. if, you ever, if you ever go through it. But sometimes it's like it gets you in the right spot, mm -hmm. you know. Like sometimes it's it's a it feels like a curse at first, but it turns out to be a blessing. Yeah. I don't know, man. We'll see. Uh, you know, and thank God for the public land. I think what issues a lot of people have, and it's the issue that I have, is no one really wants to take a backward step for age class and size of bucks, right? So I know that right now I got it really, really good. I'm at, I'm at the, I'm not at the top, but I'm like two steps underneath of the top as far as quality of deer age class and antler size and so i feel like i'll still get the opportunity to hunt on the public if if things go south but 
I just like mentally, I think it's a mental, you have to prepare yourself mentally to just say, Hey dude, I'm not going to be, have a crack at uh, as many four-year-olds as I thought, or, you know, I'll have to slide my scale down to where instead of passing one thirties and one forties, I'll, I'll have to shoot them or even less than that. So it's just something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Man, I think you need to get out there and look around a little bit, buddy. Mm-hmm. I think you'd be surprised what you'd run into, especially if you put in, I mean, if you, if you had the time to scout down there, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, it, it won't be the same hunt. Right. But again, I mean, it, it's, it's like, we look at that as such a negative, right. but it's not, I mean, it, mm-hmm. it would be a totally different challenge. And so you think if you look at it purely from like, I can target one fifties now mm-hmm. and I probably wouldn't be able to do that realistically if I was hunting public land, who cares? Like what if, what if you go out and you got to challenge yourself and one thirty is the minimum, like you, yeah. if you think you can't run across that out there in Iowa, you're crazy. Like, yeah option is there so it just the game would change you know and i think the thing that sucks the most about going from a private place you can set up to hunting public is you just it changes how like how your setups go because you you know you might not go out and leave a bunch of stuff up or run cameras the same way so it does it changes the process quite a bit but the hunting isn't a lot of times isn't quite as different as people think you know yeah yeah I don't know. We'll see what happens, man. Um, I got I got I got two things I want to cover before we actually start talking about deer, which is a rarity for me and you when we get together. You know, usually we go off the deep end. But two things, real talk, like serious talk for a second. You, like people know that you don't drink alcohol anymore, correct? What was the defining moment for you when you said dude i'm I'm done drinking the the actual defining moment yeah was i so i used to own this property by my house here in the cities with a buddy of mine um this little 29 acre property it was it was never very good we, we bought it to try to make money on it we hunted it mm-hmm. it was never very good for hunting but i had a year in in 2013 I didn't fill my Minnesota buck tag early, which is like, that's my whole thing. Like if I don't have it filled by the time the gun season opens here, then I'm in trouble. So my goal is always right away. Well, that year I didn't. And I ended up, uh, I ended up actually, I drew Iowa that year. I killed a, I killed a 151 and a half inch buck in Iowa and I killed 151 and a half inch buck in North Dakota on public land. So I had this weird year where I was like struggling, but I killed two big deer two mm-hmm. big 10 pointers but then i hit the post gun season situation in minnesota still had a buck tag still had doe tags so i ended up going out to this property and setting up along this swamp and had this i'm like i'm i'm taking anything you know like who, whoever comes down the trail i'm gonna shoot it well i have a little spike come out and i'm like you better not yeah. you better not come over here because i'm gonna lace you so anyway, this buck walks up, I shoot him, he runs and dies in the cattails. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty sweet. Cause I did not, I didn't expect to kill anything. I yeah. shot a dope on whatever. So I go out, got this deer. And this is, this is at a time in my life when I have two one-year-olds at home yeah. and I'm drinking hard. Yeah. Like I'd been drinking hard for like 20 years, but I was drinking hard. Yeah. 
so I, I have a buck that, you know, field dressed is what, 110 pounds? Like, I mean, tiny, right? Yeah. I got to drag him 400 yards to my truck. Snow on the ground should be no problem. And I'm dragging this buck across this cattail slough, listening to the rush hour traffic on the highway by me, sweating my ass off, totally out of shape just felt like a total piece of shit. Yeah. And I remember sitting there in the middle of that cattail slough and just going like, you can't, yeah. you, you can either keep drinking or you can be a good father and a good person, but you can't do both. Yeah. And so at that point, that was, that was sometime like right in the beginning of December. So I did what everybody does where I was like, I'm going to quit at the end of the year, yeah. new year's resolution, that kind of bullshit. And I'm like, I'm going to give myself a year because you never want to admit you're an alcoholic and you really need to quit. Yeah. So you're always like, I'm going to give myself an out because I'm probably going to fail. Yeah. But it was really, it was really just dragging out that spike buck and feeling so like out of shape and like such a worthless yeah. human that, and knowing those little girls were at home that it was like, that was the moment where I made the decision. And as soon as I quit and the new year started, Cause I had quit a few times before, but never stuck. Yep. As soon as it started and I got like three weeks into it, I was like, I'm never going back. Yeah. Like it just, it just changed everything for me. So it, actually my, my whole quitting drinking story involves very specifically hunting. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah. So, man, I want to say from the time I turned, man, I started, I started drinking the first, the first drink. I can remember the first drink I ever had. I was at a a friend's house. Parents left town for the weekend. I was thinking, I think I was in eighth grade, um, went over to this girl's house. We had like a party. Uh, her older sister was there and, um, and they, they, like the older sister was a senior in high school and they had alcohol too. And, uh, the first drink I ever had was Jim Beam mixed with Mountain Dew was the first <laughs> alcoholic drink I ever had, even before beer. Okay. But that's, that's what started. That was starting it. And so from eighth grade, I, I, I've been drinking, I had been drinking for, from eighth grade, not maybe not daily when I was in high school, but you know, at at high school, it was more of a binge thing, right? It was like, you know, every weekend I'm getting wasted. Right. And then that carried over until I was 21. And then I didn't have to work for the alcohol. I could just go get it myself. Right. I didn't have to, Hey, can you go grab me some? And then for, until I was 31, dude, I was just like, you know, before I got married, I, it was, I was going like, just, I can't believe I don't have permanent liver damage, or at least I don't know if I, I have it yet. You know what I mean? And so then I went, then I, then I kept drinking with my kids, but it was, it wasn't like every, it wasn't necessarily every day, but it was just a little bit here and there. Okay. Fast forward to December 31st. Okay. 
last it was the last alcoholic beverage that I had was this was December 31st of this year of this last year. And so my wife and her friends were taking part in this thing called dry January where there's no drinking in January. And I said, you know what? I might, uh, I'm going to try that too. And within the first week actually kind of sucked where I don't want to say that I, that I was addicted to it, but it felt like I was addicted to it. It felt like I was getting weaned off something that my body needed. And then the second week hit and my joints and the inflammation in my body and all of that stuff, I you sh- I feel amazing right now compared to waking up every morning and being stiff and having to crack all my bones and things like that. And um, I just don't see myself, like, am I going to have a drink, an occasional drink? Yes, I probably will. Especially when I'm sitting on the pontoon boat this summer, I'll crack, I'll probably crack a couple beers. But the days of me drinking a glass or two of bourbon every night, it's over. That's I just I can't go back to that shitty feeling of my body. I, I I don't know if it necessarily affected my relationship with my kids. However, maybe I was choosing to sit down on the couch and have a drink instead of going and hanging with them. And coloring yeah. or playing video games or something like that. So maybe there is a uh, a connection there, but man, I can't, I can't, I can't and won't go back to how miserable I felt compared to how I feel now. I just can't do it. <clears throat> it's real, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, obviously, it, it it's like a it's a weird subject. I mean, I, I did a whole foundations episode on it yeah. one time. I've never, I've never created a piece of content that I had more people reach out to me over. Yeah, and so many people, and you really see this when you start to get into your forties. Like, oh yeah, so many people are just lying to themselves. Oh, like, fact. there's a lot of functioning alcoholism out there. There's a lot of people who can handle it just fine who don't have a problem. Yeah, but you see this, and you know this is because we hang out with like a certain kind of dude a lot of times, or like a certain kind of man, like hunting camps, whatever. Like, so much of life can be structured around that Mm -hmm. and it's not good i mean like i one of the things i noticed so quickly so when i quit that was when i was at bowhunter magazine and i was filming for bowhunter tv so i was doing a couple of uh media hunts a year right where you get a bunch of people together and you know bowtech or whoever flies you out and you hunt access to your whatever and when i quit you know, I always hunted. I, I always hunted hard. Like I was always going to go no matter what, but I would do it and be real miserable mm-hmm. when I was drinking. Uh, when I quit, I was like, man, I'd be on like a three day turkey hunt in Texas, right? Three days mm-hmm. where somebody's paying for you to be there. Mm-hmm. Free gear, free hunt, the whole thing. Like you're, you're being VIP treatment, whatever. And I would see people sleeping in yeah. on day two and three already where you're like, and so you're like, this isn't even about the hunt yeah. for them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and this was like a, prof- not, not only was this a personal thing, but it was a professional obligation. Yeah. But that's like how accepted it was just to get in the way. And it's just an eye opener, man. Like you, when you, when you go at it pretty heavy and then you stop, not only how you feel, but it feels like you won the lottery. Like yeah. you're not, you know, you're not buying anymore. It's just for a lot of people, it's the right move. Not everybody, but for a lot of people, it's yeah. important. Yeah. 
I can just remember back in the day when I was heavy into the trade show circuit. You know, when I was going there with White Knuckle Productions and things like that, and and uh, uh, Wicked Tree Gear, and we would go out and get wrecked like however many days in a row. Usually the shows started on Friday. uh, So we'd get there Thursday to set up the trade show. So Thursday night, Friday night, and definitely Saturday night, we're getting wrecked. And then the whole next day, you're just sitting in the trade show booth. There's no air circulating and you're just sweating. You're so miserable. You're just sweating out all the alcohol, dude. And, uh, but you know, I will say that there's, there was a lot of fun times in mixed in with that, but I just, I go back, I just keep going back and I'm, this is going to lead eventually lead into the next thing I want to talk about. But, um, I just keep going back and I, I said, what did alcohol cost me? Well, I look back at it and it cost me like, I'm, I'm just going to put a number on it. 11 years. 11 years, pretty much all of my 20s into my early 30s, maybe even a little bit more if you want to count high school and my two first two years of college, right? Like, yep. what did it, it cost me? I decided to go drinking instead of go hunting. I decided to go drinking instead of go scouting or go to like out of state hunts. And so there's this 11 year window when I could have been doing these things, but I decided not to. I decided to party instead. And now I have a family and I, now I'm like, and this is the term that I want to talk about next. I feel like I'm going through like a midlife crisis, regretting some of the decisions that I've made in the past and, or, or at least maybe not regretting them, but thinking about them and saying, dude, look at what you've wasted. Now you have to make up for it right now. Now's the time while you're still young. I had a conversation about going to Alaska with a guy. Right. Uh, I had a, I've had conversations about certain out of state hunts and then obviously obligations as a father and a husband. And I just like, I don't know. I don't know if it, it I didn't used to think midlife crisis were real, but I feel like th- they are real, man. Dude, 100 percent. I I totally agree. I mean, I, I was I, you know, when we mentioned that that fishing trip we were going to take part of the reason that we were looking at booking that we did a little buddy trip down there mm-hmm. last year in February or the end of January fished. It was awesome. But I was, I was working on an article just randomly and going through photos. I was looking for a photo. Fo- I don't remember what photo, but I was looking for a photo of something from a trip in, you know, from eight, 10 years ago. And I was like, man, my, I texted a couple of my buddies. I'm like, do you know how many trips we used to go on? Like just camp and hunt whitetails in South Dakota or turkey mm-hmm. hunt wherever, fish wherever. And you can just see through the years as those get like more and more rare mm-hmm. where, you know, I mean, obviously the family obligations and everything, but it just like, it was kind of an eye opener to me, like how easy it is to sort of just get into this kind of groove where you're not like, you don't have a lot to look forward to. You're just like, taking the kids to this thing and that thing and sitting with the same parents at another basketball tournament. And you're like, man, you know, like that, that stuff's important too. But I think it's real easy to slide into a space at a certain age where you're like, life sucks and I'm sick of it. Like yeah. something's got to change. Yeah. And it's like, it's just like the thoughts that pop into my head at, at, at like, especially men, right? If women knew what we actually thought about, 
all day long, they would get, they would probably check us into a psych, you know, uh, a psych ward, right? <laughs> well, I mean, can we, can we be honest and totally sexist here? Oh, yeah. I mean, part of the reason you're going to go through a midlife crisis is because, you know, your wife has had a long time to wear you down to a nub, dude. I mean, can I, uh, can I tell you, right. Can I tell you a story about last night? Yeah. This, this, this hit me like a freaking just a ton of bricks last night. Yeah. So my wife, I'm sitting there. It's like nine 30 at night. My wife's like, Hey, can you take the garbage out to the curb? I forgot to do it. Whatever. When I got home, I'm like, yep. yeah, sure. And she's like, and make sure you take the garbage out of the kitchen and put it in there. So I'm like, well, yeah, I know how to do this I've yep. done it before. Yep. Anyway, I go look at the garbage in the kitchen and it's like two thirds full. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't want to like, this is bad for the environment to just use tons of like another plastic bag. Right. And I'm like, it's, it's unnecessary right now. The, the garbage has like, I squished it down. Like there was a lot of room. So I'm like, I'm not taking that one out. Like I don't, it's not full yet, whatever. So I walk out there, grab the garbage, start rolling it down the driveway. And like, it just hit me. I was like, if I don't take that goddamn garbage out of there, she's going to yell at me. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. And so I sat there and I just had this like moment where I was like, do I care more about the environment than I care about getting yelled at by my wife? And I walked back in there and I grabbed that stupid garbage and I threw it in there anyway. And I was like, I just felt so small when I yeah. walked back into that house. I'm like, it's just easier for me to avoid this fight. So I think... I think when you've been married a long, long time and you hit middle age, I think that contributes a lot to this feeling of yeah, wasted years and despair and all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. I'll tell you right now, man, the hardest thing, and I'm some, some people, if, if this is you, dude, I, I'm happy for you. If you have this relationship with your wife that is just peaches and cream all the time and you're so happy and all this stuff, congratulations, man. You, you got it. Right. But for most guys, man, (laughs) what you just said, I would burn the entire world to the ground than 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 have an argument with my wife. I give in so much because I don't I just I'm 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 sick of it. I don't want to have an argument over, you know, whether a glass is in the right spot or, you know, whether this you know, this shoe area where we keep our shoes is clean or dirty. And I'm, and so it's just like, (laughs) and then, uh, then while I'm doing it, I'll never say it to her face, but while I'm doing it, I'm like, I'm a goddamn man. I should be able to do this and say this and rah, 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 rah. And then yes, honey, what do you want? You know? (laughs) So because you're not guards, dude. Yeah. Yep. And so, you know, there's a little part of me, Every day that dies. <laughs> oh, dude. I, you, you want to talk about, uh, you know how often you watch like a TV series or a movie mm-hmm. and it's based around a flawed character who's an alcoholic or a drug addict. Yep. Yep. Right. Like, because it's as a writer, that's like such an easy, it's an easy setup because if right. you have somebody who's always teetering on the edge of a, a breakdown and, and going to go back to this horrible vice, you can put all this stuff in their way that'll tempt them. Yeah. It's it's like built-in drama, so it happens all the time. As as an actual alcoholic, it drives me 
bonkers to watch it because yeah. it's like there's this implication that there's just triggers everywhere and they're all coming in and you're just gonna break eventually yeah. and whatever but that's not how life works like you, you know how it is like yeah you quit most of the time it's pretty damn good like it's better than yeah. what it was before so it's not like there's a i think for a lot of people there's not like a constant push to go back yeah. I, I know there are some for sure yeah. but for me when my wife is driving me nuts that is the time where I'm like, I miss wild turkey and Jim Beam <laughs> so bad, too. You know what the other time is? The other time is when I'm at my daughter's basketball game and there's, like, bad refing. Oh, wow. And, I, you know, like, the, that it's so, it's so stupid. But that's, like, the other time where I'm like, I, not only would I take – a whole bunch of shots of whiskey right now, I'd probably shoot heroin into my eyeballs. I'm so <laughs> fired up over this sixth grade traveling call in girls right. basketball or some shit, you know? Right. Right. So yeah, being married is tough. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real uh, soul crusher, buddy. The other thing, and I have to say it, and I, this might actually, if my, this ever get this comment ever gets back to my wife, then there's a chance that I'm, I'll just get kicked out of the house. But as women age and as men age, there's certain things uh, that are not as important to a woman anymore as they are to a man. Like my, my drive, let's say, for something hasn't changed a lot, but hers has. It's still, yeah, it's yeah. still the first two weeks of November. Every yeah. freaking week, every day, you know, yeah. and so, <laughs> and then you want to talk about temptation. It's not like it's just sitting out there all the time, but you go to the gym and you got some early thirties, mid twenties person wearing, dude, I don't know what happened to going to the gym and people just wore athletic shorts and t-shirts. What, what happened to that? Now, every girl is in the tightest thing possible. It's, it's like they're wearing a bikini to work out in. Yep. And then, you know, you're going in there, you're working, and then you look over and you're just like, oh, what the hell is that? And it's distracting. And, uh, and... Yeah, but how much harder do you lift? <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Yeah. And then, and then you get back in your car, and you're like, uh, "The old glory days are over, dude." There are there are some women at the gym who, if they were in the weight room mm -hmm. every time you walked in there, you'd be so jacked. Oh yeah, by the end of like four months. Yep, yep. And then I think you know we've all been on the internet, and we see these we see these influencers, these girls who are wearing again the tightest thing possible there's nothing there's nothing to the imagination because you can see everything and they're doing their workout and then they're they're videotaping it and then some guy like me walks by and checks them out and then yeah. that then they go look at this creeper at the gym look what he's doing dude ever i a couple days ago there was this girl she was a 10 working out, you know, and then she was probably an 11 because of the outfit she was wearing. But I said to myself, oh, God, I've looked twice now. I'm a creep. And then I look at every other guy in the gym and they're doing the exact same thing as me. 
And so then I go to myself, okay, I'm not, that's not so bad. I'm yeah. not, I'm not a creeper. It's <laughs> no, just nature. It, if you walked into that gym in a Speedo with your nutsack hanging out, mm-hmm. you think that a bunch of women wouldn't be looking at that? Yeah, I do have a great nutsack, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what Kenyon said. He said it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. We had a nutsack competition one time at a shed hunt, and I got first. Yeah. Oh, I believe it. <laughs> uh, being a man, dude. Being a man is not what it used to be back when my grandpa and, like, even even my dad, right? I mean, they, you know, obviously there was, like, I'm very emotional. I will talk about my emotions. I will talk about what's bothering me, unlike my grandpa and my dad where they would literally swallow all emotions until it broke into a fit of anger right yeah it's, until they're putting together an exercise bike in the yeah, living room exactly and it's not going right no nope. there's screwdrivers hitting the walls and shit yep so i'm the guy who i tell my dad i'll be like hey dad love you man and he'll be like yep <laughs> that's it that's all that's all he said yep okay all right well Teach their own that it's a different world, man. Yeah, different. It's different. But it is the most glorious time of year right now where there's absolutely nothing to do, especially if, you know, your farms don't don't uh, hold sheds. And if you've hunt like me, if you've hunted the farms quite a bit that you hunt, there's you can go scouting if you want but you're just going to find the same things that you found the previous years, right? You've already, you already know where everything's at. And I, again, it's like, in a, I'm in a state where I just want to get out and go do anything. So is there anything that I can do to prepare myself for next season that will, that will actually have an impact on my success? Right. Cause a lot of, a lot of content coming out right now is like, Oh, dude, do this for next year's success. Uh, I probably have the same success if I don't do shit. Man, uh, I I don't know about your situation specifically, but for me, I just have to find reasons to be out there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I I don't know if I'm going to get to do this next weekend, but I think I am. Uh, I'm probably going to go winter trout fishing in southeastern Minnesota. Yeah. That, that has very little to do with deer hunting, except that a lot of that stuff runs through either land that I have permission to hunt or public land, and I find a lot of places to kill deer when I'm fishing little streams, okay. you know? And so it's the same thing with, like, uh, shed hunting right now, winter scouting, is all, that's all the big stuff. But if I can just, if my daughter's like, let's go shed hunt somewhere, or... I just have a reason to get out there, take the dogs over to Wisconsin and walk through the big woods. For me, I, I think what a lot of people get, get kind of lost in the messaging with this stuff is like everybody who's putting out content is like, here, go look for this, find this and you win. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times it's like, okay, well, yeah, you go find some rubs, find some scrapes, whatever, who cares? It's so much of this is just like time in the woods, mm-hmm. like just get out there. And And for a lot of us, we don't have the motivation. Like you said, if I if I've been hunting a farm for 15 20 years do I really need to winter scout it a ton probably yeah. not yeah. especially if it's not very big I mean even if it is so finding a, a different reason to be out in the woods around the water somewhere matters still yeah 
you know and i think that that's like a it's a really hard thing to get across to people because they want the point a to b deer plan yeah like how do i kill big bucks and it's like and if if you look at you know some of the best hunters out there you know like the kind of the public land dudes or whatever yeah there's this impression or this appearance that it's always just this terminator level scouting and like mm-hmm. all I, I don't do anything else all i do is scout deer it's like man a lot of times they're figuring out ways to just get out there and yeah they're filming content and telling you that they're doing that they're also out there paddling that kayak around trying to catch some bass or something or just doing something else that just gets them into that environment because that's always beneficial yeah i just Every year I find myself doing less hunting, uh, not necessarily hunting, but less deer related activities. La- this past weekend, I went to one of the farms. I replaced trail cameras and SD card or uh, SD cards and batteries, went shed hunting. My daughter found uh, her first ever shed by herself and then we matched it up. It was an amazing, like I, I got emotional, dude. I, I had a, it was a, it was a blast, you know? And, uh, and so, but I just don't, I've, I've reached that point where if I don't get any summer, like one of my favorite, one of my favorite things to do is get velvet pictures of bucks in the summertime. But the last year, two years, actually, it just hasn't been a priority of mine anymore. And so I've realized where I can get success Right. So like success comes even though I don't put in the ton of hours scouting and doing deer, I guess, deer related activities. I just I'd rather go hang with my kids and play catch with them or or play baseball or even video games or something like that. Yeah, I mean, in one way, I mean, obviously staying out is the right decision for your hunting. Mm -hmm. But in one way, the thing that that really forces hunters to stall out in the whitetail woods is getting access to a good place to hunt. Yeah. I mean, the minute you figure that out where you can go, you know, I run some cameras, I stay out, they come through here, it gets real good Halloween on or whatever. And then, you know, you can go in there and you're going to have your encounter mm-hmm. that keeps you from doing a lot of deer stuff. And yeah. so this is, this is one of the things that I, I know people don't really care about this and they're not going to do it. But one of the things that I think has helped me so much if I, if I have a chance to go hunting, I'm going to go. So if I have a place I want to save like that, I always try to have some kind of backup. And one of the things that I do in the winter all the time that, that might actually be a good move for you is all that public land that you don't want to hunt. Go out there now, go shed hunt it now and see what you can find. Cause some of that stuff, you know, sometimes you just find a place where you're like, this is just cool. Like I actually want to hunt here or you find a big antler and it kind of changes how you think about things. But also when you do that stuff, it's, it's like, it's a free play. Like it doesn't matter if you go out there and it sucks, who cares? Like it was, it was better than staying at home or whatever. Take your kids out look around a little bit. But sometimes like when you lose that place five years down the road, because the landowner dies, you can go, I'm going to go back and check that Creek crossing on that public or, you know, like if it's October and you're like, I want to sit in a tree so bad, yeah. but I'm not going to go in and blow up my good stuff. Okay. Go hunt that pot. Who cares? Like the odds of you killing one are so low, but you're not going to screw up your other plan. Yeah. You know? And I, I think that stuff, I mean, for me, it could probably on paper look like a lot of wasted time, 
but I find stuff that I want to hunt. Sometimes I don't hunt those places for like five years, but they yeah. kind of like rattle around in your brain. And then one day in early October, you're like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, I'm going to go saddle up in there just for the hell of it, you know? Yep. Yep. Understood. Um, whenever you're, whenever you're out, let's see, how do I ask this question? Um, I guess what I'll, I'll say is I think I need to prep more for the apocalypse, the, the land loss apocalypse. You know what I mean? Like when I thought you meant the real, Oh, well, yeah, I need to go build a bunker in my backyard under the, you know, under about 10 foot of dirt. So first off, that's, that's the most important thing, but the apocalypse I'm talking about is the land, uh, the, the land loss apocalypse where I, I lose these farms. And in the past couple of years, I really haven't done any prep work to knocking on doors like I used to. Uh, again, a lot of that has to do with schedule. I'm not making it a priority like I used to. And I yep. think I, it would actually calm my nerves if I spent a day just knocking on some doors in an area. And, and at least I know I'm going to get told no, but at least I'll lay some groundwork for future interactions with some of these people. You know, and yep. say, hey, I'm just preparing for when I lose, like, I got a got a piece of property. Uh, the landowner's going to sell it here pretty soon. I'm kind of curious where, uh, you know, what you got going on over here. Maybe it's a no now, but, you know, maybe in uh, a, a year or two, people move on. You know, people decide not to hunt anymore. Or you run, or you do. You run into a guy who doesn't know what he has. Right. He thinks he thinks he just owns an ag field with a little t- finger in it. But that finger holds a giant, you know. And so um, I know where to knock and, and where not to knock. But I feel like I need to prepare more for that. Yeah. And I, I'll tell you, man, I'm, I'm always, always on the hunt yeah. for spots. And one of the one of the kind of consistent themes in my life, like maybe the last 10 years has been like gradual permission. Yeah. Like you can hunt turkeys late season here, mm-hmm. or you can hunt does after the muzzleloader season's over. So like some kind of like in where the landowner does not care. They're yeah. like, yeah, we're done. Everybody's through. Yeah. And the more you work into that kind of stuff, like this, this property by my house is getting developed. My literally the first year I was in there, all I did was guide the landowner and his kids to turkeys. I didn't hunt it. He didn't give me permission to hunt it. And over time, you know, he's like, he really likes when kids get to go hunting. So he's like, yeah, when your daughters are old enough. So my daughters got to hunt it before I did. And then he's like, you know, you can go out and shoot turkey. I don't care. Yeah. And then, you know, deer were still pretty sacred to them. He's like, well, if you want to shoot a doe, go muzzleloader hunting, whatever. And then last year, you know, like you let me shoot a buck. Like it's a lot of times people are like, the, the private landowner is like, this is our time. This is our opportunity. But there are these like secondary, not as good mm-hmm. ones that you might get into. Yeah. And man, I would, I'm, I'm, I've been stung like way too many times. Like I've lost too many spots where I'm always like perpetually just like, Oh, you know, like your friends, parents have 40 acres here. Mm-hmm. Like what's, what's the story with that? Like whatever, whatever it could be because of that, you just yeah. don't know what's coming. Yeah. Have you ever lost a piece of property um, because A, they find out what you do for a living or B, they find out that you're actually a good hunter? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it always comes, 
the worst thing that happens to me is getting permission somewhere where there's somebody who cares who already hunts there usually it's a relative a nephew or something cares a lot about big bucks but doesn't know what he's doing yeah so because as soon as you come in and you kind of like there's always like that little pissing match and you you know you're going to defer to them because they're there first but yeah people can't handle that a lot of times so i wouldn't say I wouldn't say I've lost places for either of those reasons because of the landowner specifically, but because of the other hunters that were out there. Yeah. And, and they know? were, and that's, they put pressure on the landowner saying, Hey dude, like hundred percent. Yeah. 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 I mean, and that's just, you know, that's just pissing on your territory. Right. Like, yeah. and, and it happens, but I'm always like, I, I actually probably have lost more spots because I had to give them up because whoever was already out there was like breaking laws in a lot of different ways. Yeah. I've had that before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, that, that has been, that's an issue. It's, yeah. it, it really sucks because you can't be around it, you know? And so it's just, again, another reason why you're always looking. You know, because you don't know. I mean, you might, you you could be anyone. You might go out on that place and kill a 150, your first sit, and everybody else who's been hunting there yeah. and has all the trail camera pictures of it gets pissed. Or, you know, you're parked in a spot and they're, they show up late and they, they have a better end to the landowner. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, you just don't know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I had a uh, scenario one time where I, I went up to the house, I got permission they gave me permission to hunt at you know at the beginning of the season i think it was like i didn't get permission on the piece until august uh you know i i did my due diligence and i didn't have any extra trail cameras at the time to put up on the you know on this property but the first time i sat in it i saw like a giant 10 pointer and i said to myself okay i i knew whose property it bordered and so i was like okay well if it if if this peop, if these people don't hunt it, then I know this is a little bit of a sanctuary, right? And so the only re, the only way they did hunt it was during the shotgun season. They may push it once. And uh, yep. anyway, long story short, uh, I go in there, I kill a a buck, and I sent him a picture the the landowner a picture of it. Say, hey, I, I got this one, and he's like, what do you like? Where did that buck come from? I've never seen that deer. It was a decent one. And then he's like, then, then, you know, I talked to him and he's like, uh, okay, that's, you know, all right. Uh, are, when are you going to be done in there? I said, well, I'm, I'm done for the year. Uh, and until next year, you know, I'll probably come in and shed hunt it if that's okay with you. And then it was like, yeah, I think we're going to start doing that now. Right. Yeah. And so this is where I probably could have hunted that property for 20 years if I yep. didn't share any information and made it sound like it was tough to hunt. Oh man, I got close, but you know, those dang deer, they're so squirrely. And then the guy would be, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. And then, it, but because I shared that information with him, um, I, I lost Dude, it. The big deer thing, man. Yep. Yep. It's just, uh, it's, it's the thing we're fighting the most in the whitetail space right now. Right. You know, out West we're fighting just opportunity. Right. Like I just want to be in the mountains and hunt something in, 
in the east midwest and the east we're just fighting this constant push to have your own you know your deer to yourself yep. and it's it's tough man yep yep it was it's uh it's getting harder uh and harder especially in a state like iowa that has less you know but i've i've had this uh uh, conversation now on this podcast, which feels like a thousand times, uh, as far as the, you know, moving towards the pay to play, uh, the pay to play type of, uh, environment that we, I feel like is knocking on our door pretty heavy at this point. And so, um, it's, it just comes down to having to change your goals ultimately, right? What are, what are your goals? Do you want a big giant buck? Well, you're going to have to work really hard on private to go get something like that or you can change your goals and you can um you can change your goals and you can just be happy with a little bit less so that's something that i another thing that i think about all the time me too man and i think you know i mean i I know i bring this up a lot but i i i feel and i don't want to curse it but i feel like we kind of i feel like the public land wave broke and yeah. is receding from shore a little bit, like in the in the whitetail space. Like it's not, it's not as cool as it was. Everybody tried it. Everybody bought their saddles, and I I feel like, especially my experience last season, spending quite a bit of time on public versus even two or three years ago, I'm I'm starting to feel like we're kind of getting back into a place where a lot of people are giving up on that, like yeah. they're giving up on that idea that anybody can go out and do it. And so I feel like while the the private situation is not getting better. Yeah. Like it's getting harder to get places and it's pay to play and all that, the usual suspects. I sort of feel like we're kind of slipping back in into a situation where there's some, some decent public land hunts out there waiting for people again, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, there's, it's so easy to just doom and gloom this stuff all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's can't find a place to hunt, can't knock on a door, whatever. Yeah, like we have a lot of problems with access. We have a lot of problems with, you know, high demand for good spots. Yeah. But it sort of levels off sometimes. And, you know, some doors open that you might not think that you even want to walk through, but there are opportunities out there, you know. And like you said, it might not be go, you know, go name five bucks and put them on your hit list and hunt till one of them walks by. It might be a totally different kind of hunt, but that's okay. Yeah. Like they're, they're, there's a lot of good stuff we can still do out there. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm fascinated with whitetails, right? I'm fascinated with watching deer go multiple years, having trail camera images of them. But the older I get, I feel like that portion of me loving the outdoors becomes less and less. And I want to just be out in it more. And what I mean by that is maybe pick up trapping. Maybe pick up, uh, you know, more fishing, do, you know, do more fishing, you know, do more, maybe waterfowl hunting and things like that, that just don't seem to have as big of a barrier between just like, cause all ducks are the same, right? All geese look the same, right? All coyotes look the same and all, you know, not necessarily all fish, but you know, there's, there's something my my father-in-law he got pissed the other day uh there's a brand new um uh depth finder it's one of those sonar ones and it pretty, yeah and it pretty much just 
says there is a fish in here. Like the picture yeah. shows the fish in the snag or whatever it is. And he's like, Jesus Christ, are these guys even going to even try to learn how to fish anymore? Or are they just going to, you know, does this, this range finder or this depth finder, does it reel the fish in for you too? He was pretty, he's pissed about that, right? And it, it's the same thing with cell cams, right? That, well, it's, they're, they're similar. The whole live scope, live view thing is wild. I mean, yeah. it is when that when that that technology in five years from now, when the average walleye fisherman can afford it, it's going to affect the resource. I think. Oh, yeah. Because it is, it is a level, it, it's a level change that's just unreal. Yeah. I mean, it's it's wild. So, I'm kind of I'm kind of with him on that one. Like this this one worries me as far as the resource in a lot of places. Maybe yeah. maybe I kind of think it'll be. I kind of think it'll draw some pretty heavy regulation eventually mm -hmm. because, but yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. What, what do you, it, what do you think is the reason why an outdoor activity like hunting or fishing, the, the, the overall idea of it is, is like depreciating, right? Cause my, my uh, father-in-law talks about these pools in the Mississippi river um, that 40 years ago, 30 years ago, when he was fishing him, he was like, you would not even believe how good these fisheries were, right? Just amazing. Not only the size, but the quantity, right? You, you very rarely ever got skunked. The same thing with deer hunting. Like I can, I can look back and go, dude, late nineties, early two thousands, 2010s, even m like money, deer hunting, money, deer hunting. Why, why is, do you think it, it always goes downhill because we are hardwired to be lazy. Yeah. And so it, it, we, we are literally evolutionary, evolutionarily wise, hardwired to take the easiest path to what we want. Yeah. And we are very good at figuring that out. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about, you know, a pool on the Mississippi river that had amazing fishing 40 years ago, the things that have changed are like the live scope and the, and the, like the information and the, the options we have, like we have made it easier for ourselves with our equipment and our access to knowledge. The same thing with whitetail hunting or, or any kind of hunting, we can't not make it easier. I mean, if you think one of the, one of the trends in the outdoors that you've seen, we've all seen, we've all pushed is the box blind thing, right? We've just figured out that if you sit in a little house on stilts and you don't over hunt that and it's in a spot where you're, you know, it's good. You usually, you, you create a really good spot around it. That's like hunting on easy mode. Yeah. And I'm not saying don't do it. I'm not shitting on it. I'm just saying like we, we constantly innovate to figure out ways to make things easier and it affects the quality of our resource out there. Yeah. You know, and we just do. Um, I want to, I want to say something when you were talking about, you know, maybe duck hunting more, maybe coyote hunting more, fishing more. One of the things that I think is a huge benefit to people who are diehard whitetail hunters is do something where you put a lot less pressure on yourself in the outdoors. Yeah. Because if you think about it, you know, even if all you care about is whitetails, you're going to put a lot of pressure on yourself if you're that person. Yeah. And when you have that pressure to succeed and do the right thing and make the right decisions over and over, it comes at the cost of like, there's like a decay to the enjoyment of the, of the, 
pursuit. And we do that. We can't help but do this to ourselves. But when you're like, this, this is one of the reasons why I love traveling to hunt public land somewhere else. I like having lower standards sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I like walking in and not going, I'm going to be disappointed if I look down the trail and it's not a 140 coming down. I hate right. hunting like that. Right. But, and so it's the same thing when you go pheasant hunting. It's like, like you said, like there's no trophy roosters, right? Like you want your dog to work. You want to be out there in the cattails and you want to make a good shot and have a good recovery, whatever it, the more you do stuff where you kind of, you kind of hedge your bets against like, I know I'm going to take white tail hunting too seriously and I'm going to make myself an asshole out of it. And it's going to be, it's going to be this high pressure affair, especially as you get to the rut, especially as you get to the point where you're like, I got to fill this tag. I don't have much time. I burnt my you know brownie points at home. And then you go out and do something else that there's just not the, like, you don't care if you get a limit of wood ducks. Yeah. Right. Cool. But who cares? Yeah. The more you do, you kind of like balance out your outdoor life that way. The more you, you kind of condition yourself to take whitetails less seriously. And I'll tell you, man, I went through, I've gone through every freaking phase and I've, I've gone through the big buck phase, try to kill a booner type of thing. And I have more consistent success and enjoyment out there putting way less like caring about it less yeah like it, it actually works in my favor for killing big deer a lot of times to not be so hung up on big deer to just like hunt some way that i know i'm gonna enjoy it and man when you're having fun yeah. the, the deer they walk by yeah mm-hmm. one thing that i need to figure out is so we we bought a pontoon boat okay and so we bought it not only to just go out and putts around on a lake uh, but to have friends, you know, we bought the pontoon over a regular boat because we want to have and share this with our friends, right? And so I got to figure out a way to make fishing off of that pontoon boat easier. Because as you know, you know, fishing off of an actual John boat or a fishing boat, they don't have the sides on it and things like that. And then, you know, a fish comes in and you're smearing worm guts and, and fish grease all over the seats and you got to wipe it down every time. I got to figure out a way to fish, like make it easier to fish off my pontoon boat. You know, my suggestion is sell your pontoon boat. (laughs) No, not okay. Okay. Sell a couple more ad spots around these podcasts and go buy a fishing boat too. Yeah. 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 Easier said than done. But I tell you what, <laughs> if you're listening to this right now and you know someone or are someone who has a marketing budget for a product, hit me up. I would love to have a new John boat this upcoming <laughs> this upcoming summer. Dude, I mean, honestly, I I I, I was writing about this this morning. Mm-hmm. I have a old town kayak this it's a badass outdoorsman kayak right yeah it it gives me you know and i have a bass boat too so whatever but just having that gives you so many options for easy getting on the water and if you if i lived in a different place where it was like more conducive to this i'd buy a john boat tomorrow yeah and throw a little electric motor on there i mean there are ways to do it where you don't go broke it sucks when you've already made a big boat purchase yeah and then you're like, ah, I need some, I need some extra boats. Yeah. But there, there are ways to do it. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. Lots, lots of good conversation today. And it wasn't all bullshit. 
like what we usually do. Like, hey, man, what actress is the hottest? And, and uh, what's your favorite 80s movie? <laughs> Dude, speaking of movies, have you seen Oppenheimer yet? I have not. It's a heavy lift, buddy. A heavy one? Well, it's it's three hours of... It's a it's a heavy lift, but it's so good. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I don't have three hours in a given week to sit down at one one time, and I don't like to watch movies two parts in a row. Um, I will say this though, and we've talked about this a little bit, a little bit. But so I I've quit drinking, right? Mm-hmm. But in Iowa, <laughs> THC edibles. And THC beers and drinks are now legal to buy. And so I go to this liquor store and I buy a four pack of these five milligram THCs drinks. And I drink one of them after I put my kids to bed. And I'll tell you this, dude. My sleep is bananas now. Like I'm not waking up in the middle of the night tossing and turning. I don't even, most nights, I don't even remember my head hitting the pillow. It just, like, it it sucks saying, look at all the bad things that alcohol did, and then going to another controlled substance. But, but, dude, like, I, it's, it is amazing on how much, how better my sleep is when I, when I've done that. And so. It's damn near medicine, buddy. It's damn near medicine. I like that. I like that. Well, I, let me say this though. Yep. I, I went into Oppenheimer the same way. Yeah. I just happened to have a, a window where my my wife and kids were gone. Yep. I'm like, I, I want to see this because I'm kind of interested in the process. Yep. You know, like what they went through to build those bombs. Mm-hmm. It's worth it. It's just an interesting, especially in light of like what we have going on with AI and mm-hmm. all of these flare-ups in the Mideast, Middle East and all the things that we have going on in the world. It's an interesting, like, they present an interesting moral quandary about building an atom bomb and yeah. pursuing. It's pretty good, man. Yeah. Do you think that I could watch this movie while working? Or no? Or no, you got to focus on it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. There's a couple other movies that I've, that I've really wanted to watch, but they're all really long. Like, the 90-minute the movie is just almost non-existent anymore especially if you want to try to make it good. And yeah. so um, I, I, I want to see that uh, the new one with Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio when they find, I think they find oil on an Indian reservation or something like that. Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yep. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet, but I'm yeah. sure it's pretty good. Yeah. And so I don't know, man. The other thing, I, I don't know. <laughs> like I like Western movies. I like Westerns. I, I like new westerns, and I even like the old westerns, like the black and white ones, where it's just like, "Watch out, Jimmy! They're coming for you, and they're bringing everybody with them." You know, it's just like those types of. It's almost bad acting, but it's the style of acting back in the, back in that day. So, I don't know. I like I like watching westerns. Are you did you, are you into Yellowstone? Oh uh, yeah, I've seen every episode. I haven't seen a single one yet, and all my buddies are like. What are you doing? You got to watch this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I strongly suggest it. I strongly suggest almost watching it in a different order. Um, I would recommend watching, uh, what is it, 1864 or 18 something, where it's it's post-Civil War 
and the original John Dutton is trucking across America with his cattle to try to get to these new lands that the government, you know, that the government has made available. And then watch the next one, which I believe is like 19... 1929 or something like that where it's it's like post world war 1 and and then a different a different family like a different generation of that family is running the farm and then watch the the original series of the it make it, it would make it much better and, and easier for you to understand I mean, if, if I'm going to go through that, I better get on it here soon because I will never keep up with that once it's like April. Yeah, uh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so if, you, go ahead. Taylor Sheridan, the dude who created all of those. Yep. He's he's going to direct. Uh, I saw that. Empire of the Summer Moon, that Quanta Parker, Parker story. That should be sweet. Yeah. Did you did you listen to him on Rogan's podcast? He was on there like two months ago. I have not pretty interesting yeah i'll have to give that a listen while i'm doing some work you know some people some people have said that they don't like this that tyler sheridan guys maybe hard to work with but i don't know he puts out some damn good shows he seems like uh he seems like he would piss off some people yeah just i mean partially he's he's like just not a politically correct dude like he's you know, like just listening to him on Rogan, I could see kind of the stereotypical Hollywood type person not being a huge fan of him. Oh yeah, but I mean, he's tapping into something that's, I mean, like culturally, like yeah. people are real drawn to. Yeah, yeah. And then the other one that I can't wait to get released is the Nerd in Me, and that is the second season of House of the Dragon. Have you, do you ever watch, like, have you seen Game of Thrones? So I got about, like, four seasons into Game of Thrones mm -hmm. and just stopped. I don't really know why I stopped. I have a, I know, like, Mark always makes fun of me for being a space geek. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you must be, like, a Star Trek guy. I have a hard time with, like, real fantasy type stuff like that. I don't, I don't know why, like dragons and stuff, like I, it just doesn't do it for me a lot of times. And yeah. I know I should finish it because everybody's like, it's incredible. Yep. Uh, so I never got into the, the House of Dragon series. Uh, so based off what you said, have you seen the movie Interstellar? Yeah. Yeah. That is probably one of my top 10 favorite movies of all time. So that's Christopher Nolan. That's, he did Oppenheimer too. Yeah. Okay. Um, and they're kind of similar i mean obviously they're way different stories but yeah interstellar is badass yeah well tony peterson before we go down a wormhole that we cannot get out of uh <laughs> thank you very much for taking time out of your day interstellar <laughs> <laughs> yeah buddy hey have a good day man i really appreciate you coming on again yeah thanks for having me